Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. Welcome back for another episode of Hope Beyond the Badge. Today we have with us in studio Tom LeSage. Tom is here to talk with us about Cops for Cops Boston. That's an organization that provides financial services to first responders. Uh, Tom, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Jay, thanks for having me. Linda, this is a a great opportunity. I appreciate uh, collaborating uh, with the both of you guys, and I'm looking forward to the future for for us all and to support um, first responders and mental health awareness and, and support for, uh, for those in need. So I appreciate it. Um, so you hit the nail on the head, uh, Jay, I, um, I'm the co-founder for, uh, Cops for Cops Boston. Uh, it's a financial service organization, uh, specifically designed for first responders and, uh, law enforcement officers. So we provide, uh, first responders, not only financial education, uh, presentations, which I can go to all local police departments and, uh, fire departments to provide. Uh, I also do one-on-one uh, financial sessions in case you're uncomfortable with uh, providing that information, you know, in a larger audience. And then additionally, we do customized plans where we can uh, sit down and really tailor um, whether, you know, it's a type of insurance policy, whether it's a retirement plan, something like that, that um, it could be customized and fit specifically for the officer's budget in order to uh, assist them financially. Awesome. So what made you get into that, Tom? <laughs> Share with us. What made you get into What inspired you? Uh, so <clears throat> it's kind of a funny personal story I have of mine. Uh, it's essentially, it's, I learned uh, through utter failure. And um, this pretty much started uh, as soon as I got out of college, roughly, um, you know, it was probably 2015 or so. I had just gotten uh, out of college. Uh, I had received a uh, three-year Army uh, scholarship through the Army ROTC program at uh, Northeastern University, which was a great opportunity for me. However, um, I had no real financial education, uh, you know, or background or knowledge or anything like that. So essentially, I kind of, um, I graduated school with the understanding, oh, I'm going to have the Army pay for the school because this is going to be great. However, uh, I had to pay for one year of school at Suffolk University, which was $50,000 a year. And then in order to live on campus, it's another $30,000 a year. So, you know, two years in, I'm already racking up, you know, close to, you know, over $100,000 in college debt. So um, it was pretty much when I was 25 years old and I uh, started looking into finances when I realized that uh, I was in a whole ton of college debt, over 120000 and I had a 
435 credit score, which is terrible. Wow. So how did that feel to you as a young man getting out of college? Like, how did that feel to you? It was, it was overwhelming. Um, I spoke with a friend of mine who was, uh, uh, you know, in the army, we do a lot of long-term strategic planning. And I had a colleague, uh, that I graduated the uh, ROTC program with and he spoke with me and I kind of was leaning on him being like, Hey, like, you know, I want to get into finances. Like I started re- reading into real estate and picking up all these finance books. And he was like, okay. He goes, well, why don't you take a look at your college debt and let's see, you know, what you're looking at in terms of money and, and what you owe. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. Like, you know, my dad handled all those. He, you know, put them in my name and, uh, but I didn't have a look at the numbers because I, I wasn't making good money at the time. And, uh, so it honestly felt insurmountable for me. I, it was I was too scared to even look at the numbers because I I didn't know what what it was going to look like. So uh, I wasn't paying on any of my college debt or anything like that because I I didn't have any organization. And um, that's when we found out I was over one hundred twenty thousand dollars in debt, and um, and I needed to essentially make an action plan on how I can uh, be successful through this eventually if I want to. Um, you know, seek some sort of financial success. Yeah. So as you, as a young man, like you said, you used the word overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Describe that feeling. What was, what was that like for you? I mean, I remember my kids getting out of college and, and, you know, I don't think they they were even thinking about like the burden that was on anybody Mm -hmm. um, in debt, right, for paying for school. But for you as a young man, you were thinking about that, but, you already talked to somebody about it. You were getting do, using financial books and you talked to a friend and said, hey, help me out here. Like, I have an interest in this to figure this out. Mm-hmm. What was that overwhelming feeling like for you? Like, describe that. <clears throat> Essentially, I I did not know where to begin. I felt like, you know, I you know, got this, you know, fancy bachelor's degree. I knew I wanted to be a police officer one day. And, um, you know, I was commissioned in the, uh, army, um, into the army national guard, into the military police corps. And, um, you know, but you know, that that's all well and good, but, uh, you know, if you have no financial plan uh, or long-term plan, you know, you're not going to, you know, it's not like I struck a job, uh, you know, at MIT doing, uh, you know, rocket science or anything like that. I, yeah. I knew what the base salary I was going to be making. And, um, I really just felt, I felt lost. I felt overwhelmed. And I thought that, uh, I pretty much thought that my, you know, financial career was pretty much over and I wasn't going to be able to be successful one day. And I thought that I was going to be paying until, you know, the rest of my life, unless I took a definitive action plan on how to strategically and, um, you know, strategically, mathematically, how, however you want to say it, make that action plan in order to be, uh, in, in order to climb myself out of debt. Yeah. So right out of college, then into the army, share with that yep. about that. So it was a four-year um, army uh, reserve officer training corps program. And basically uh, upon con- completion of the four-year program, you can commission into as an army officer, so a second lieutenant. Uh, and that's how I commit, I uh, started my army career. So that was the four-year program, completed that. It's a lot of leadership training. Um, so I completed that program, commissioned as a second lieutenant uh, in the Army. I went National Guard. I had an option to go either um, full-time Army or if I wanted to do uh, part-time, basically, National Guard. So 
I commissioned as a, an officer, started as a platoon leader in charge of uh, 30 military police uh, soldiers. And um, that was like basically my part-time big gig because I wanted to pursue that full-time career as a law enforcement officer uh, in Massachusetts. Okay. So you are a police officer now, right? Yes, that's correct. Tell us a little bit about that. Share, share that with us. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's one of the greatest jobs that you can have in the world. There's a lot of freedom. Um, it's something that I believed in selfless service. I believed in, um, you know, service for our, for our country in mul multiple different ways. Um, I, I served as a, uh, um, a company commander in charge of 130 uh, military police soldiers. Um, and we served through COVID. We served through the, the protests, um, you know, the elections and all that stuff, uh, which is a challenging time. And um, it has allowed me to n also network with so many different uh, first responders, uh, law enforcement officers, y you name it, in multiple different areas of expertise. So federal government or the um, private sector or obviously the public sector as well. So uh, for me, uh, I'm kind of a people person. I like to be able to network and, um, and speak to people and learn mm -hmm. uh, from different um, just from different people and from different experiences and try to like, you know, learn from anybody. And I always try to like grow and believe in, you know, positive mental health and, and always putting yourself in a, a positive uh, mindset so you can help develop yourself as an individual. Yeah. And um, I think that that's one of the most rewarding things is uh, the people that I have been able to meet over the past, you know, 10 years or so. Um, not only in the National Guard, but also, you know, in this seven, almost seven years I've been in the, um, in the police world as well. Police world. So can you share with us what, like, departments you, you have worked in? Yep. So I uh, did about four and a half years in uh, the town of Abington. Uh, you know, small department uh, as a town I grew up in. So it was pretty much like kind of like a homecoming. And uh, it was great for me because I was able to like I was already familiar with most of the town and everything like that. And uh, so it was a great segue in order to kind of launch my um, police career. Um, I did a, a series of uh, multiple uh, different uh, types of training. I, I do a lot of like um, uh, large scale training. Like uh, I, I was an Alice instructor, which is an uh, active shooter uh, prevention uh, mitigation program, basically. Um, so I actually worked um, worked that with uh, with Alex. Yeah. Um uh, back when I was in Abington, which was great. Um, and uh, we did some tabletop exercises. We did uh, multiple work, uh, multiple trainings with the uh, the Abington Fire Department as well. And those guys are, are, are just terrific. So that was my first uh, kind of introduction into the uh, police world. And then eventually I, I got the opportunity to transfer over here to Weymouth. And, um, and yeah, just uh, a larger department, more opportunities, a little bit more freedom and, uh, and growth. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm all about. So yeah. uh, that's pretty much, uh, you know, where I stand uh, today. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a, a much of a, an adventure for, for you. The way you're speaking, it's like people can see him, but I can see there's a smile talk on his face when he's, he's talking over the table. So I can tell that he's passionate about what he does. And, um, and you know, the town of Weymouth is very, very lucky to have you, as was the town of Abington um, and I'm sure there's many more people that are going to benefit from your service so thank you sir mm -hmm. well I heard you mention selfless service I love hearing selfless service one of the army values right there I was also sure. an MP 
It sounds like you found that career, your your career in the National Guard, rewarding as you do the police department. Uh, I was wondering if you know what rewards you find in providing financial services to first responders. Why is that rewarding? Well, to be honest with you, Jay, it's like um, it's an opportunity to so it's an opportunity for me to give back to those same officers or that same environment um, in which you know, pretty much raised me in my, um, you know, in my professional career on both the military and the police side. Um, So I feel that if I was not able to share a gift or share something, some some knowledge and be able to kind of spread the word about, you know, my perspective on how I was able to accomplish my financial goals, if I was uh, basically withholding that information or, uh, I wasn't able to share that message. Uh, then I think that I'd be doing uh, I'd I'd be doing a disservice to people by keeping those not secrets, but like keeping those um, that information uh, to myself. And I don't think that that I think that's all a part of selfless service. And to be honest with you, I think it's all a part of leadership. Like if you're not if you're not giving back to those men and women that serve on the line with you, then you know then I think that you're doing something wrong. I agree with you. I think it was very well said also, um, and I think that financial well-being is relevant in terms of overall uh, well-being and, and certainly lends itself to the conversation about mental health. Uh, oftentimes, when, when a first responder is suffering due to whatever uh, circumstances, traumatic or otherwise, uh, financial well-being suffers uh, alongside it, and then uh, those struggles tend to preoccupy or overwhelm a person and they're not really able to focus on whether they need therapy whatever whatever is going on with them um tom i just wanted to start to cap on what jay was saying um a police officer going through some mental um health issues um overwhelm, depression, PTSD, trauma, whatever it might be from the job. Um, the last thing they're, they're thinking about, I feel, is some, how they're going to pay the bills, like what bill needs to be paid. I mean, I feel all of that goes out the window. And um, and vice versa, if, if, they, if they are going through, on the, on the other end, if they are going through some struggles financially, it can cause stress, right? Mm-hmm. And, and lend into other difficulties, obviously probably promoting um, mental health issues um, and adding to it. So um, tell us about, you know, getting into Cops for Cops Boston. What do you tend to do? Where do you see yourself going um, as far as locally with it? Um, share with the listener and share with first responders who are listening in, like, what do you do? Can you go into departments? Tell tell us what you want to do with that. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you know, the great thing about kind of being able to start a kind of an independent uh, organization is that it's, it's pretty much what I want to make out of it. So I want to be able to, I've already started um, bringing my uh, financial education briefs and this is just a we can make it, and I do it at roll call, so I'll do it at the uh, early morning roll call, I'll do it during the daytime roll call, and I'll do it during the evening too. And that's all just, um, you know, that's 
all in my own free time. I just come out. I try to give a free financial education brief. Talks about whole bunch of stuff, um, like the importance of a credit score, the importance of uh, understanding debt, understanding good debt versus bad debt, mm-hmm. understanding the differences between an asset and a liability. You might think that you have an asset when you actually, you know, if it's taking money out of your pocket, that's actually a liability. So these are just small, basic, um, you know, financial education topics that I have just kind of organized into a brief. And then I put in a couple of like, you know, ways on how you can diversify your portfolio and basically, um, you know, just have a widespread, um, retirement plan or just multiple different options so that you're not constantly pigeonholed, um, into working details and overtime, you can kind of spread it out a little bit. So, um, that's the one thing that I, one of the things that I do is basically, um, go out to, uh, local police departments and it's really anybody I'll go over all over the state. I don't care. And um, I'll give those um, financial education briefs and, um, you know, handle my card and I'll be like, hey, listen, if you want to talk about something that, you know, interests you in here, then, you know, we can talk offline, schedule Google Meet, um, go on my website and, um, you know, send me a message or something like that. And I'd be happy to talk a little bit more about it. So that's just one aspect of of what we can do for basically, uh, you know, any police department, fire department, um, you know, any first responder entity. uh, I'm starting to, I want to provide it to National Guard soldiers that were during drill. I want to be able to uh, provide it to Department of Correction, things like that. So it's yeah. very um, widespread. Honestly, I'll come out at, uh, you know, any time of day to, to speak with officers that are uh, interested in it. Yeah. And and they can, so you don't have to only reach you through like a, a department that can reach out to you for a one-on-one when they, when they want to. I just want to clarify that. Yep, absolutely. So I'm on on uh, Facebook and Instagram with the cops for cops underscore Boston. And um, I'm always sharing like free content, like, Hey, here's a little bit of information on like term life insurance. If you're not sure of what it is, because a lot of people here in life insurance and they kind of run for the hills. It's like, mm-hmm. no, these are legitimate programs run by large companies. And, um, you know, I feel like if people aren't exposed to that or they're not comfortable with, you know, a guy in a suit and a tie coming in and saying like, hey, I want to sell your life insurance, um, I can kind of give a little bit more of a softer approach because it's like, hey, man, like, listen, like this is coming from an angle through a first responder. Um, and I kind of know, you know, I have I know through failure of, um, you know, financial aspects and everything like that. So just trying to develop a little bit more of a closer relationship with those first responders in order to kind of get them more comfortable with uh, speaking about these types of topics. Yeah. So when you when you started on on this yourself, this financial well being yourself, mm-hmm. right? What how how did you start it yourself? Like, what did you? I know. Yeah, you, you talked to a friend, and he guided you in a direction that you felt was comfortable for you to to pursue, right? Um, so. Are you out of debt now? So I'm officially 100% out of debt now. Yes. So, um, yep, I got a little bit over uh, seven, I think it's a 770 credit score. Um, and I have no debt. The only thing I have is uh, is my mortgage right now. My car's paid off. Um, and uh, that's what I have in my name right now. Excellent. Good for you. And you're going to be a dad soon. Going to be a dad soon. Expecting uh, My wife's expecting in uh, July. So we're uh, super excited. Yeah. And this has to be a good feeling for you from where you were a few years ago. How long How long ago was this that you were in debt? So like, this is probably, so it was back in 2015 um, and I was 25 and I'm 33 now. So um, I knew if I didn't take that action plan in order to get out of debt immediately and as fast as possible, 
then um, I wouldn't be able to. Now we own a condo and hopefully we'll make that into a rental property eventually one day. Or we can, you know, put a down payment on a house. But if I didn't take take control of my debt and get out of that, then that would have uh, substantially affected my ability to be able to purchase a home or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So you're feeling financially stable right now. I mean, I, I'm yeah. feeling comfortable, comfortable because I don't have that weight that's on my shoulders anymore. You don't have the weight like a lot of other first responders possibly might have. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just in the one element of that can cause mental health issues, right? Um, the things we, we carry. So it's something for our listener to think about. Um, you know, hey, maybe I, you've never thought about doing something like this, but it's well worth investigating and um you know here's a first responder you know tom you're a first responder a police officer so what better um way to and in- get yourself introduced to this type of stuff as someone who knows and and you're in the field the same as them so um you understand and you get it mm-hmm. so i i really like that a lot mm-hmm. uh tom it's it's a very inspiring story on how you were able to to get out of debt yourself and that's something that uh that we want to see spread to others so you talk to departments you talk to individuals how do we get that message out to departments and if a department or a person wants to get in touch with you what's the best way to do that um to be honest with you uh you know having this segment with you guys um you know promoting positive mental health and um getting your message out to the world uh you know also um you know helps helps me by uh, you know, sharing in that same message for uh, first responders. So, I mean, that's kind of the first step if anybody's listening here. Um, and, you know, like we kind of talked about like I'm on, I'm on Facebook. I have uh, Boston.com and they can touch base with me there. Um, you know, so, or like if you're on Instagram, you can always go on there and like just shoot me like a little message just saying, hey, like, you know, can you do a one-on-one service? Can you do a, um, you know, basically like a free consultation? Like, hey, like, you know, what are the additional services you provide? Or, hey, man, like I'm in a whole lot of debt. Like I don't mind talking to people, you know, for a half hour, hour on my own time, just being like, hey, this is, you know, it might not be your way on how to do it, um, but it is a way on how I was able to do it. And basically it was just throwing as much money as I could in the shortest amount of time. Um, So, yeah, like what I'm trying to do is at least bridge the gap between the financial world um, and law enforcement officers to make it a little bit more, uh, approachable and less scary. Because for me personally, um, there was nothing more frightening than looking at, um, you know, a mountain of over $120,000 in debt. Like that was something that was almost insurmountable for me. So I want to just let, share my message and let everybody know that, that it is possible to do it. And, um, you know, you just might need a little bit of guidance and I'm hoping to be able to, you know, assist in providing those financial services and in any way I can. Yeah. Tom, and and the thing I, what I love that you have to put out there is it's making it so easy. You're making it easy for someone to be able to reach out to you because I'm sure if there is someone struggling, struggling financially, um, in first response, it's awkward. You know, how do you talk about that, right? It's an awkward situation. Mm-hmm. So 
by you putting this out here and providing a service, it sort of helps eliminate the awkwardness, right. um, the initial awkwardness and sort of to break that barrier down. It's okay. It's okay to, you know, have financial difficulty. It's okay to, to struggle with that. Tom is going to be able to provide you with the service to help you um, get out of that situation. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I love it too. It's one of the things that I've talked about in the past is that that uh, the difficulty in reaching out for help. And, and, and in my case, uh, the the concept of having someone from, from within uh, the first responder community and the peer support network being there, that made a big difference for me, for someone that, that wore a uniform and, and, and did the job uh, to, to be there as a resource and a guide and, and all the things that you're talking about. So I think that part's important, and, um, and I hope that, that we are able to spread some awareness that you're out there and you're offering people financial stability because uh, without that, there's, there's at least some aspect of instability in a person's life. And, um, you know, the more yeah. stable, the better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Tom, earlier on um, when you spoke, you mentioned that you worked in Abington P- PD at the time when we lost Alex. Um, do you want to share with us? you know, what that experience was like for you personally as a police officer working in the same department, losing what I would call a family member or part of your unit? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> it was probably one of the more tragic days that I have ever had in a professional working environment um, in my entire life. <clears throat> Starting off, um, you know, being in a military environment, being in a law enforcement community, you know, when you decide to take this job, it's, um, you put yourself pretty much last. You talked about, um, you know, selfless service and all that stuff, serving for a a bigger and a larger cause, Mm -hmm. something bigger than yourself. So when you join a job like this, you develop relationships with people that, are closer than an ordinary, um, you know, ordinary business or, you know, some regular corporate job or something like that. When you respond to calls and when you are, you know, in a environment like this, um, you got to be prepared mentally to go into a fire or to respond to a volatile or violent situation. Mm-hmm. And you kind of put your own feelings aside. Mm-hmm. Um, when you do that, you develop this close relationship that says that my partner is going to watch my back every single day, no matter what. So when you lose somebody that is always there on the other end of the call, you lose that that closeness you lose that brotherhood or that sister. You lose somebody that's, um, you know, just always going to be there by your side no matter what. So when we lost Alex, and it's unfortunate because I was only able to work with him for for two short years, uh, but I was able to learn so much from him. I mean, he was a court prosecutor. He was a, a student resource officer. He was just a wealth of knowledge. He was in school for, uh, in law school, he went to, uh, law school with my sister actually he was in class with her 
Um, and, you know, he would, he, I remember he would just, you know, prepare us for court. He'd, you know, take my paperwork and he'd highlight all the important notes and all that stuff and help prepare professional uh, documents uh, in order to prep us for court. So he was just a wealth of knowledge. And um, ultimately, you know, when we lost him, that was um, just one of the most tragic things that I've ever experienced in a, uh, in a professional environment. Do you remember, it's hard for me hearing, you know, you talk about Alex in, in this way, but I'm trying to start to stay composed. Um, do you remember that day? I'll never forget it. Share with us a little bit about that day. What what did you do as a police officer um, to handle the shock? Did you did you connect with other officers as a unit? What did you do as a group to get through it? Absolutely. I mean, I was working on shift, and um, you know, I had. Um, another officer that was that I believe went to the academy with him and he was he was close with Alex and you know you know we all were and um I remember him kind of letting me know exactly what the circumstances were and how were they were escalating and I remember just being like listen man you got to keep me informed you got to keep me posted like what do we do do we reach out to him and you know mm-hmm. like what's is there any outreach that we can do like I, I feel like you know we have to do something Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like I said, I wasn't so close with Alex where like I, you know, we would talk about, you know, family or anything like that, but we were friends at work and, and it was great. And I didn't feel it was my place to, you know, get involved or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, I just remembered keeping close by all the officers that were really close to them. And I was like, man, you just got to keep me posted. Like you have to keep telling me everything. And I was just like overwhelmed and shocked with know the situation that was happening so um you know I unfortunately I I got the word after work and um you know just just broke down Mm -hmm. afterwards um and I remember that day very well too um and just like you trying to connect to everybody and and we got a call from um the police department down in Marshfield to say call him um call him on this phone we're trying to reach him and um they had said they had heard that they he would answer to us on the phone myself or my husband and um and then driving to Marshfield on the way praying to God please 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 answer your phone just constantly calling 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 this phone and um and then we got a call from um like SWAT team um to say stop calling this phone um, we're trying to ping it or locate him where he is. And um, and when we got there, you know, a few minutes later, um, you know, we were notified then that he was gone. Mm-hmm. So um, after the initial, you know, losing Alex and, and that day had passed, um, what did you do at a, as a unit, like, to after afterwards was it back to normal or was it um like what did you do to support each other was the resources available to you i mean it's kind of a 
kind of a two part question. The mm-hmm. first part, you know, what did we do as a as a unit and as yeah. um, you know, a team is um I'm pretty sure it must have been ten week or ten weeks, ten days or uh two weeks or something like that, but I'm pretty sure we were we were together every single night. And mm. um, you know, for the services for um, you know, just being together, being, you know, with Deb or being with you and mm-hmm. um we just we pretty much couldn't separate from each other because, you know, we had just lost one of our own. Yeah. So that was the first thing that we did was, you know, it was basically like a two week thing or where we we're just together every single day mm-hmm. and, you know, talking about him and, you know, just going through the, you know, the process of, of what had just happened and realizing, um, you know, the second part, you know, there was kind of a, you know, it's hard for, I would imagine for any, you know, organization to kind of what to do, um, you know, aspect after the fact, but, you know, there was like somebody that came in and basically it was a, you know, female party that came in and she specialized in this and she talked about, basically she handed everybody cups, right. Or like handed one person cups and was like, Hey, like what happens when you have, you know, and one person had all these cups in their hands and eventually like after adding all the cups, you know, they would start pil- uh, filling over, you know, like meaning that like, you know, one thing after another, the things, the baggage always just constantly kind of builds up. And then, mm-hmm. you know, what happens is like, you know, the cups ultimately start filling over, mm-hmm. you know, so that was like, kind of like a, a first day of, you know, um, additional support that the department provided us and everything like that. It was a, you know, it was a good resource and, and all that. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a process. So it would be, it would have been helpful if there was um, some sort of long-term, um, you know, long-term incorporation or long-term program in order to help, um, you know, that that process in, in the future. Because obviously, like, you know, it's great to have it within the first, you know, week or so, and that's great. But, like, you know, you're still – then you go back on to work and you go back to your calls and you go back to, you know, accidents and domestics and all that stuff. So um, it would be – it would have been helpful to have a more of a long-term type of program and still to be like, hey, you know, this week this person's coming in and – feel free to talk to them and, you know, sit down with them and, you know, it can be behind closed doors and, um, you know, confidential. I think yeah. that would have been of been a help to, definitely. yeah. When you said, you know, that initial time, like within two weeks after Alex passed and, you know, all being together, um, supporting each other, um, and not, being judged so um and the judgment wasn't there because you were all experiencing even though you're all different we're all human so we experience grief and loss in a, in a different way right um but to know that you could be together and be supportive of each other in that initial time um you know I bet that was very helpful um to go through that together you know you'll all remember it right mm-hmm. um but now I mean now you know, nearly four and a half years later, right? Um, Alex has passed. You think about like different departments now. What what would you think that? What would you suggest? What would you like to see implemented in different departments ongoing to support mental health, or help departments to deal with a loss like that of a fellow officer? 
and especially when it has something to do with mental health, right, and suicide. What would you what would you like to see like be implemented? That would have probably been helpful to you. Well, I think that um you know, you and Jay, you know, in the first episode you guys brought up a word and it's stigma, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously when it comes to this job and, you know, wanting to be able to protect yourself and protect your family and, um, you know, be able to um, still be able to do the occupation and all that stuff, you carry a lot of baggage. So, um, you know, it would be, I think it would be beneficial to actually have a, to have a resource uh, in general to be able to speak to somebody confident, um, confidentially and, to be able to speak behind closed doors. So kind of like what I was just saying, um, you know, off the top of my head, if, if there was a resource that's like, Hey, like here's a, you know, almost like a medical professional or a, you know, a life coach or or something to that aspect, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to speak to and know that it's not, um, you know, going to be held against you. It'd be able to be good to kind of have that resource to, um, to relate to or to speak to. Especially, um, you know, when it's confidential, um, someone to go just let off steam and say, I'm still struggling um, with this or struggling about every day um, and maybe have some guidance on where they guide you in the right direction and also be able to provide you if that if you were going to speak with a person. I like that idea. Um to be able to speak with a person and maybe to guide you in some resources that might be helpful in the direction that you're looking to go in. Um, it can be tough. Um, and certain things like, uh, you know, that can lead to depression um, when you're holding on um, holding on to sadness or holding on to a loss um, without sort of speaking about it now after a long period of time, right? Um, I could see you were getting a little bit emotional across the chair and I was trying to because um, it's both personal to us right um, and I was trying to stay composed but yeah I totally agree with you if you had someone that would be able to provide um, just an, an outlet for you to say yeah I'm still having a hard time with this um, and be able to know that it's no judgment right it's no judgment zone and um, no you're not going to be punished or ridiculed yeah that would be a really really nice thing so um, I think that if any officers want to come in and talk to me, um, I am now a certified certified life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone wants to come in and chat with me and and unload anything, you're more than welcome to come in and see me anytime for sure. You you included Tom. Oh, I appreciate. Um, that. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I I know that was tough, um, and I know that you're you're doing great things, providing the service. Um, financial services to first responders um, who might have be difficult, uh, might be going through some difficult times and getting them right back on, on the right track. So all of that has definitely ties in with mental health um, for me. And uh, that's why we have you in here today. Yeah, um, I appreciate it. Thank you for your service, sir. No, absolutely. Absolutely.